0: Welcome to Counter Apologetics. I'm your host, Emerson Green, and today we'll be discussing the phenomenon of speaking in tongues. In the latter half of the arc of my Christian life, my circles shifted farther and farther charismatic. I was always a biblical literalist, but the crazy dial was set relatively low, or at least as low as it can be for a young earth creationist. After years of practicing fairly conservatively, my friends and family embraced things like faith healing and prophecy, constant conversational-style prayer, and speaking in tongues. That sort of thing became the norm for my family and a lot of my friends by the time I was halfway through high school. There is a strong biblical basis for speaking in tongues, so I felt like these people had gotten to some deeper level, like they had discovered some cool, hidden part of reality that only we knew about. Think about the narrative that's being sold here. You are speaking a dead language, or an otherworldly language, possibly never spoken before, or a real language that you don't know, because what is essentially a ghost has taken control of your voice. You are interacting with ancient spiritual forces. And if you're someone who takes the Bible seriously, there are scriptural reasons to think this. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus, after his resurrection, addresses the apostles on this issue and others unambiguously. Quote, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. End quote. And to be clear, Jesus almost certainly never said that. The earliest manuscripts of Mark end at verse 8, and they don't include any of what I just read. On this subject, Barderman has written, quote, What is most striking to me as a scholar of the New Testament is that the passage in which Jesus' words about handling snakes are contained." was not originally part of the Gospel of Mark, or of any other book of the New Testament. The oldest form of the Gospel of Mark ended with chapter 16, verse 8. Jesus has been dead and buried. On the third day, some women go to the tomb. A young man tells them that Jesus has been raised, and that they are to tell the disciples that Jesus will meet them in Galilee. And then the women, quote, fled from the tomb and didn't say anything to anyone, for they were afraid. That's where the earliest gospel ends. The verses that follow almost certainly were not original, as almost every textual scholar on the planet agrees. They contain numerous words not found elsewhere in Mark's gospel, the writing style is different, and there is an impossibly rough grammatical transition between verses 8 and 9, and they are missing in our two oldest and best manuscripts, End quote. If you're a true believer, there's no room to exclude things Jesus said based on what historians think, and there's no reason to think that God couldn't prevent the inclusion of verses that he didn't want in his perfect word. If you believe the Bible is the perfect word of God, you're still stuck with these verses, unless you're willing to give up the inerrancy of the Bible and chip away at its authority. Paul, however, does actually reference the practice numerous times in 1 Corinthians. He claims to speak in tongues frequently in private. He advises that in church, only one person at a time should speak in tongues, and it should only be done when there's someone on hand with the ability to translate what is being said. Speaking in tongues is also acknowledged and endorsed several places in the book of Acts. As is the case with literally everything else in Christianity, there isn't widespread agreement about speaking in tongues, or glossolalia, as it's known to psychologists and linguists. There's no agreement as to whether it's legitimate at all, whether you need a translator to do it, whether it's a human language or an otherworldly language, whether there are public and private versions of tongue speaking. Speaking in tongues is considered miraculous by those taken in by it, and like other miracles, it's presented as evidence. The first thing to point out is that miracles don't support theism. If you think that a miracle has occurred, that doesn't automatically also mean that God prefers to be called Yahweh, cares about circumcision, or disapproves of abortion. If you think that glossolalia requires a supernatural explanation, that still doesn't get you near the Christian God. Let's go ahead and grant that speaking in tongues requires tapping into a spiritual realm. You need access to something supernatural in order to do it. If that were the case, that still wouldn't be evidence for Christianity specifically. The existence of some kind of non-natural realm or force that you've found a way to tap into doesn't imply that Jesus died for your sins. It doesn't support your favorite version of theism or your favorite version of your favorite version of theism. This is a common fallacy that religious people commit. They'll be in church, during a worship service, or praying, and they'll feel something. They feel transcendent or have some kind of spiritual experience, even a transformational or profound spiritual experience and then make the leap to thinking that all of Christianity must be true. Just because you feel a feeling during a worship service doesn't mean that the teachings of the Bible are true or that Christian doctrine is correct. The two are not connected, and yet many Christians seem to think that having spiritual experiences while in a church proves Christian doctrine. Even if speaking in tongues is a genuinely supernatural phenomenon, breaking natural laws is a terrible method for communication. This is just not the clearest way to get your point across or to communicate a message unambiguously. An actual god would know this and would find a better way to prove himself or to communicate. Oh, this group of southerners just exuded a burst of gibberish while they were swinging a snake around their head? Yeah, I can see what God is trying to say there. Again, let's assume for the moment that there's not a good naturalistic explanation for speaking in tongues. This is exactly why we bring up God of the Gaps so often. You can't just point at something we don't understand and say, therefore God. Over and over again, theists will bring up gaps or pseudo-gaps in scientific knowledge and assert that only an intelligent designer could have done this thing that we know very little about. How do we distinguish between a miracle and a naturalistic event that we don't understand? If some miracle were to occur tomorrow, how am I supposed to know that this won't be explained in full down the line without divine intervention, as was the case with seizures, crop failures, miscarriages, earthquakes, and so on? And am I justified in thinking that the pattern of naturalistic explanations overtaking supernatural ones will suddenly end without warning? There's also the problem that speaking in tongues is not limited to Christianity. Pagans have been known to induce glossolalia, as have mediums. The Mormons also have a long history with speaking in tongues. In his book An Ethnological Study of Glossolalia, George Cutton writes, quote, Glossolalia is practiced among non Christian religions, among them the North American Indians, the Haidia Indians of the Pacific Northwest, shamans of the Sudan, the Shango cult of the west coast of Africa, the Shago cult in Trinidad, the voodoo practitioners in Haiti, the Aborigines of South America and Australia, the shamans in Greenland, the Dayaks of Bornea, the Zor cult of Ethiopia, the Siberian shamans, the Shako Indians of South America, the Curanderos of the Andes, and the Tibetan monks. End quote. Some believers predictably argue that Satan is responsible for the tongue speaking in other religions, as well as all the other miracles. This leads to an obvious question. What's stopping them from saying the same thing about you? How do you know Satan isn't causing your miracles, or for that matter, an evil god? So, is there a naturalistic explanation for speaking in tongues? In linguistics and psychology, glossolalia is actually a well-studied phenomenon. Linguists and psychologists define glossolalia as verbal utterances that are outside of one's own language. Strings of syllables, made up of sounds taken from those that the speaker is familiar with, are put together more or less haphazardly but still emerge as word-like and sentence-like units. Dr. Heather Caven, in over 500 hours of fieldwork in Pentecostal and Charismatic meetings, observed that glossolalia is characterized by high incidences of repetition, alliteration, and assonance. The range of sounds is small. The speaker also leans heavily on common sounds from their native tongue and minimize uncommon sounds. Contrasted with the varied cadence and rhythm of normal speech, the rhythm of glossolalia is highly regular, repetitive, and often staccato language. When someone speaks glossolalia, they use the same sounds from their native language, and they even obey the same restrictions. So if you speak English, for example, you never make a word that begins with dl. In my own experience, I've noticed that Christian glossolalics tend to gravitate towards Hebrew or Latin-sounding tongues, since those languages are associated with Christian antiquity. It always seems to be language that could be considered biblical-sounding. In 1972, William Samarin published Tongues of Men and Angels, the Religious Language of Pentecostalism. His book was a thorough study of Pentecostal glossolalia that became a classic work on the subject. Samarin concluded that glossolalia is not a manifestation of any real language because, quote, it is neither internally organized nor systematically related to the world, end quote. The stream of speech produced doesn't have any internal structure or organization, meaning there's no discernible syntax or rules governing the sounds there are also no patterns that indicate any systematic relationship between speech and concepts. The anthropologist Felicitas Goodman studied a number of Christian and non-Christian tongue-speaking communities in Ohio, Texas, Brazil, Japan, Indonesia, and some in Africa. She took into account the segmental structure, the sounds, syllables, and phrases, as well as elements of rhythm, accent, and intonation. In her analysis, she concluded that there was no linguistic distinction between what was practiced by the Christians and the non-Christians she studied. This is strong evidence that glossolalia is a natural, human phenomenon that arises under particular conditions. In Kaven's paper, she also discussed her work with a Japanese cult that occasionally spoke in tongues. Quote, There were no teachings that might lead participants to expect glossolalia, and they manifested it spontaneously, often with little or no previous knowledge of the phenomenon. These utterances shared the same linguistic characteristics as Christian glossolalia. End quote. In her writing on the subject, Caven emphasizes that there are at least two kinds of tongue speaking, what she calls spontaneous and context dependent. According to her, spontaneous glossolalia is characterized by an intense uprush of vocalizations where tongues flow without prompting or prior knowledge of them, and the participant does not know what's happening to them. What she calls context dependent glossolalia originates as an idea about speaking in tongues. The speaker first has the idea of tongue speaking in their mind, maybe as something they want to reach or achieve. Once it's produced, this type of tongue speaking can be engaged in at will. Her fieldwork also indicated that context dependent glossolalia constituted the majority, while spontaneous glossolalia made up the minority of cases within Christian circles. You can see this featured prominently in the movie Jesus Camp.
1: Say, God, I'm here to be trained, I'm here for an education. I'm willing, God. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say
2: what you want me to say.
1: In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Amen. Alright, now I want everyone to raise your hands and we're gonna pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Oh, we love you, Jesus. So koho rashada kahalabusida. Let the Holy Spirit
0: fall! He's here! Feel his power! Pure pressure is also an element at work in these experiences. Dr. Kaven noted in her 500 hours of fieldwork that, quote, At meetings, the would-be glossolalic was often encircled by fellow Christians, earnestly praying for them while a leader coached. They were often advised to imitate the surrounding members' tongues and were persistently encouraged until they made a few noises. End quote. Research conducted by the Lutheran Medical Center showed that after listening to a one-minute sample of tongue-speaking, 20% were able to imitate it precisely. 70% could after some training. William Samarin also conducted an experiment where he simply asked university students to produce an artificial language there on the spot. Many of them did so easily, and the invented material was strikingly similar to tongue-speaking. Dr. Andrew Newberg, along with researchers from the University of Pennsylvania, performed brain scans on glossolalics. They found that activity in the language centers of the speaker's brains decreased during glossolalia. So their lips were moving, sound was being generated, but the actual language centers of the brain were not as active as usual. It's like the car was running with no one in the driver's seat. And this makes sense. Many researchers have compared glossolalia to baby talk. Since when babies are learning to speak, they don't make words, they generate haphazard strings of sound without any comprehension or meaning. And uh, exactly what makes people glossolalia could be related to what babies do when they're first learning language. When they're speaking, they're not actually making words, they're making random strings of sounds, which is probably the same cognitive mechanism that is used when people go to speak glossolalia. So, we already know that there are natural cognitive mechanisms that can generate language-mimicking sounds without any actual language. Newberg also discovered that the speakers had an unusual and permanent asymmetry in thalamic activity. The same asymmetry was found in nuns and Buddhist monks, which supports the idea that either intensive prayer or meditation permanently alters the brain, or that people with an abnormally functioning thalamus are more prone to having spiritual experiences. Um,
2: I was the guy on campus, I was the guy that was going up to people and knocking on doors and preaching and playing the piano and singing. and. And I was so excited and I was so positive and I would pray and I would get, I'd see answers to prayer and I would see miracles and I would get goosebumps when I was talking to Jesus and all that. And in fact, I can still do that right now as an atheist. I won't do it here, but I can, I'm one of those people and everybody's different. In this room, there's probably a distribution of types. Some of you might be over here on this tail end of the bell curve like me. Very susceptible to mystical experiences. Well, I was, and I am still. I can still I can go back somewhere quiet and speak in tongues, and all those feelings come back. Whoa! And I can feel this kind of parent figure, a peace that passes understanding, and I get goosebumps, and it's a pretty amazing thing. I have atheist friends who think that religious people are just faking it. Well, they're not. Well, some of them. They're, I mean, some of you probably went to church and you were looking around, I don't feel anything. Well, you're over here on this side of the distribution. Like Richard Dawkins. He even put on the helmet and nothing. And James Randi, the same thing. James Randi's, what's everybody making a big deal? But some of you in this room know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've had religious experiences and they're very real. They don't point to anything outside the mind, but they're very powerful things that happen in the brain.
0: That's all I have for you today, and of course I need to thank my Patron Hall of Fame, Peach Machine, Jesta, and Phil Stilwell. And you can support this show on a per-episode basis at patreon.com counter, where you can earn early access to every episode and access to bonus episodes. If you don't have the money to support on Patreon, but you still hold an irrational disbelief in things that don't have any evidence, you can like us on Facebook, leave a five-star review, or tell your friends about the podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by the band Whalers. The song is called Magic Tricks and was used with permission. Thank you for joining me today. I've been Emerson Green, and I'll see you next time. I love
2: people in line for prayers. Oh, here. here, here. Oh, here we go. This so is the prayer angle? line. Remember, oh, your, prayer Rick. Line. Okay. your prayer didn't work. Like the church, prayer line,
1: I'm pray with you. Hello. I have a prayer I, I need to get off my chest. Okay. What's your prayer request? My prayer is, um, I just was curious about Joel Osteen. I'm new to this. What is your name? My name's Rick. Are you talking in tongues right now? Uh, I, sorry, say that again. God, that the Holy <laughs> I need to talk to Joel Osteen. It's a very important message. I have lots of money right now. Mm. Right now. For uh-huh. Joel Osteen. Let's pray together. Yeah. But, well, you know what? That ain't nothing. <laughs> what? What? Uh, Sorry. Say that again. Let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit tell you. Did you just talk in tongues? Is that Klingon? Is that baby talk? You keep saying Ricky. Do you do you know someone named Ricky? Ricky ta 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 ta. What, is, what does any of this mean? I'm confused. If I were to translate this, would it be like, hey, don't let people into the building during the flood because we don't want their dirty footsteps walking on our nice carpets. I heard you the first time. The blood of Jesus. Yeah, I heard it the first time. The blood of Jesus. Yeah, Second Chronicle 2015 uh-huh 2015 <laughs> 2015 was a good year <laughs> flight news battles is that a magazine you read what are you talking about <laughs> I am so confused right now is this supposed to be some kind of oh it's a prayer line where you just ramble crazy nonsense what language is this I'm gonna call my translator so I can follow the conversation Ricky papa ta 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 Ricky Tati Tappy Pop 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 Tat 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 Ricky Tati Poppy Tappy Tat Tat Top Pop 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 <laughs> You're laughing at it because you know it's funny because it's ridiculous That's why you're laughing right now I just made you laugh at your own ridiculousness You are cracking up at Ricky Ticky Tucky Pucky Tucky Buggy Bucky Taka Pucky Puck Oh, she transferred oh! She's going to put oh me up to the next God. level of prayer line. She oh, put you up to Joel. Yeah, because
0: you did so good.
1: <laughs> she's what, like, What she's did she
0: do with you? Did she just she chant she just a spell started on you? In I cannot believe what so I just heard. Crazy.